is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Trade list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I know it's been a little while since we've recorded, but I'm Chris Allen and the host of the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast, and this is episode 25, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know, it's been a while, and we're now in getting into week eight, and I think there's just been a flurry of action. There's been a flurry of trades, NFL news, things of that nature. And so we wanted to get together tonight, uh, both myself, uh, my lovely co-host Adam, and then also the Dynasty Outhouse himself in order to just, I think we're just going to freestyle tonight, gentlemen. I think we're going to, we each have uh, a topic that we wanted to discuss and try and work through some of the discussions, just kind of have a little round table uh, working through some Dynasty topics that would be of interest to you people out there listening with us today. So... Uh, first and foremost, I wanted to welcome in our guests uh, tonight, or at least, well, not our guests, but at least uh, the co-host and our guest, um, Adam. How are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. This is uh, this is going to be fun for us. This is something we haven't done before uh, since you were on your deathbed for the last two weeks. <laughs> we decided that the best thing for us to do is just take as many topics as we can and hit on them. So this is not something that we've done. If you've guessed it on the show, you've seen our insanely detailed. Uh, agendas that we normally do and today it's just a few notes so let's get into it guys yeah i think that's the that's the big ticket item here is that i know for every show that we've done so far and i do apologize to some of our previous guests if they ever felt this way but we do send out the uh, semi-fascist emails where we have a list of topics and the guest is supposed to stick to that list of topics and that is all that they're allowed to talk about well Russ, since you're here with us tonight, you have the freedom, my friend, in order to talk about whatever you want. So you are the first guest in order to be provided that freedom. So I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I also want to know how you're doing tonight, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I want to go back in time to when you said that we're going to be freestyling tonight so I can make the joke, if you wanted someone to freestyle, you should have had Gabe on your show. Oh, oh man. Yes, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't want to be rude and interrupt. All right, uh, so now. That, that, that'd, be, that'd be the perfect uh, person <laughs> if we were going to have a show like that. We'll actually have to get him on and have that conversation again. Because him dropping rhymes is uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, that, that man is it's creative talent. Is, uh, you know, it's, quite, it's quite good. It's quite good. Yeah, and you do not want new, me doing that. Right. And he is the one who created the new intro for the Debbie Owner's Manual podcast, um, which he will be on the intro for the second week, not the first week. So definitely check that out. Kind of has me jealous. I don't know that it's better than ours. I don't think any are better than ours. But 
I don't know, man. You might have done too good for someone else's podcast. You might have to do another one for us, Gabe. No, man. I love yours because (laughs) now anytime you hear the word dynasty, you automatically go, it's automatic. It's automatic. automatic. Yep. You got that brand going. Yes, that is true. That is true. But the beat on the Deviantors... Uh, podcast. I, I do like it. It's got that college feel to it with like the band playing and all that. Nice. I, I dig it. I do dig it. So props to Gabe, uh, friend of the show. I think he's done, he's done quite well in putting together and helping, and helping us out. But, uh, Russell, we've got you here tonight, man. So what, what do you want to talk with us about? You start us off, man. What, what you got? All right. Well, my first topic is actually a question for you guys because like we were just talking about the Devi owner's manual, which, I'm a big fan of both of those dudes, Andrew and People's Champ. I'm in a leagues with both of them, both awesome guys. Listen to the first episode and going to keep listening, even though I do not play in the Devi League. Awesome. But also, that's kind of what I'm getting into. My only, there's like two things I could think of to go from where I am as a Devi, as a Dynasty player, and that is IDP or Devi. Mm-hmm. IDP still scares the hell out of me. I don't think I'm ready to jump into that. So I think Devi is the way to go. So my question I wanted to pose to you guys, because I believe you both play in leagues that have Devi in them. I do. Yeah. I do not. I did last, I did last season, but that league folded. All right. But you have experience. Mm-hmm. All right. So we know me at this point. I'm, I'm a trader. It's what I do. I have a trading problem. Is there a difference to you guys? putting a name to these picks to say, do you treat Devi players differently than you do rookie picks in non-Devi leagues? Like, if I were to join a Devi league, am I just going to use these guys as trade chips until they get into the NFL? Or do you think there's a big enough difference between Devi player and rookie draft pick? I'll take it first. Yeah, I, I think there is a huge difference because... When you have the draft pick, you have the option where when you have the player, whether their stock goes up or their stock goes down, you're stuck with that player. So when you have the 101, you had the pick between Zeke and Treadwell, right? So when Treadwell dropped to 102, I think he ended up at 103. You got to take Zeke at 101 instead. If you traded for Treadwell, then you had Treadwell and you've got nothing so far. So I think that's definitely a big difference. And I think that's where a little more skill comes in in Devi than in Dynasty, which I'll need to dive into much heavier. This year, I just sold all of my Devi stock. Um, so I didn't have to deal with it. Now, I did do the research and just pretended I still had them. So I could at least give myself the warm and fuzzy that if I did partake in the Debbie auction or the Debbie draft, that I would have done decent. But I sold it all for players I knew the names of because this was my first year getting into Debbie. So it takes a ton more strategy. I mean, kudos to those dudes. Just hosting the first two episodes while they get their feet off the ground was very enlightening for the amount that they need to know. Yeah, I would I would agree on that point because I think that when it comes to when it comes to dynasty, I think there's enough information that we as dynasty owners have where we can make the I think where we can make the judgment as to how we value players and it's it's a combination of most of the same things that we look for in redraft leagues for the folks that are listening that are primarily interested in redraft leagues where it's you know talent opportunity and situation and we have at least a decent i would say a decent gauge on all three of those variables but when it comes to devi the only thing that we really have to rely on are is just the talent 
like, and that's mostly what we have, or at least that we can do most of our research on. And we don't have a good feel for what their opportunity is going to be. We don't have a feel for what their situation is going to be once they get into the NFL. So there's a lot of, I don't want to necessarily say gambling, but you are kind of betting on the talent being the true indicator of what that player's value is going to be. So if you're good at uh, scouting, if you're good at you know looking at looking at a player's tape and being able to say that, yeah, I think that they're able to perform at a level so far ahead of their peers that this should, that this should wind up translating into the NFL. Then sure, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go ahead and hold on to that player, and, you know, and make those judgment calls so early on in their career when you just don't know. I mean, you really don't. And sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. But I think that's my uh, my biggest fear of getting into Debbie is that I'm going to wind up missing on the next Antonio Brown, the next OBJ, the next, the next, the next. Because Devi speaks to a gap that I don't really have a full handle on and that is sitting down and watching tape and that is sitting down and actually evaluating a player to make sure that does this wide receiver know how to run routes? Does this running back have, um, you know, good balance or have good vision, like when assessing which hole to run through? It, I mean, it hits all the gaps that I'm still trying to figure out how to learn. So that's why I'm, I'm scared to death about getting into Debbie, to be quite honest with you, because it, it really does speak to that. If you, if you are, you know, a quote unquote tape grinder and, you know, you, you watch, you hashtag watch the tape, then sure, then, you know, you, you probably can perform quite well in those types of leagues. But I think for, for most of us that have stuck with just straight dyno or, or redraft, I mean, there's a lot more, I would say certainty or at least relative to what you would find in, in Debbie leagues. So yeah. I think that there is there is quite a difference, or there's a gap between those two types of leagues where it's hard to figure out like where your where your footing is and how you should proceed when it comes to picking up and selling players. Now that's the ticket right there, though, that you discussed with the film review. If you do have the time to do the extra work, though, you can get a much larger strategic advantage in Debbie than you can in Dynasty. So this is why we just discussed a couple minutes ago on the Debbie owners manual. Uh, some quarterbacks that are running the triple option that aren't getting a whole lot of opportunity to pass the ball, but they might be productive at passing the ball when they do pass. We see the same thing with LSU receivers. They don't get a lot of targets. They don't throw a lot. So you have to go off of minimal sample size, which requires you to do the extra work, which requires you to do the film review to see how they did on those targets. It's not so easy to just look at their dominator score because there might not have even been enough opportunity for them to take it a large market share. This guy might have had a 14 target game and then that skewed the whole dominator score. So if you do have the time and you're in dynasty right now and you think that you're decent at a uh, film review, then you could give yourself a pretty lofty competitive advantage rather than having one of 12 picks in a rookie draft. And you're going to have 92,000 people telling you who to pick where anyways. Yeah, that sounds awesome and terrifying. And you tell the Debbie owners manual guys if they ever start a listeners league, sign me up. Oh yeah, I would like to be a part of that because I think that'd be a good, uh, like the perfect quote unquote trial by fire for folks that are really not all that into Debbie. So I would say even just like for me, getting into the understanding the format of a Debbie league and how you wind up picking up some of your Debbie players, and then how you how that integrates into 
uh, just a your dynasty draft in and of itself. I would like to learn that, like how that works out. So I think there's just a lot of ins and outs of just you know running or being a part of a Debbie league that I think would be great. So I think that should be part of uh, Andrew and Dwight's homework is to for next season that we should set up a, a listener league or something of that nature so we can get some folks involved in. I think that'd be a great way to kind of foster that community. Hell, we might be able to get uh, some of the bigger folks in the industry that are uh, big proponents of Devi to join us, and maybe they can help teach us as well. So maybe we can uh, reach out to some of those guys. It's just food for thought. And just at the end, just throw brought to you by Dynasty Outhouse, and you know <laughs> oh. I won't charge you for it. See, hey, I think that's. I mean, we're winning all around here at this point. Like our <laughs> our brand is growing, your brand is growing. So I I think that's a match made in heaven right there. Loving it, yeah. So I, I'm all about that. So, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful idea. At the very least, I mean, putting together the league where I think everybody can kind of learn how to walk through that type of format, and I think that kind of ties into what we do here on the show. Uh, on, on this show is how do you operate like with different formats? I know that when we went around and we were interviewing folks uh, earlier in the year, we were talking about mostly it was either. Uh, it was IDP. It was two yep. QB. Uh, I mean, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, we could probably. I mean, uh, being able to fold in Devi. I mean, I think that yeah. that has to be a part of it, right? Well, we've done two Devi now too. We did Andrew yeah. Harbaugh, who's now running the uh, Devi owners manual, and then we did Nathan Powell early on when we were right, trying right. to teach owners. There are other options out there. There isn't just Dynasty. It's like you finally got the courage to join a Dynasty league, and it's like cool. Congratulations. Now what kind? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that. I think that's really the big thing is when it comes to game selection or uh, you know format selection. How do you set that up? And then what are the ins and outs? And when you make picks and, and all that, I think that becomes uh, that. That's when you start getting into game theory. That's when you start getting into strategy. And I think that's that's what entices me. That's what gets that's what gets my juices flowing is when we start talking about drafting. So if you can get me into a room, get, once I start getting into the draft room, I'm pretty sure like my heart rate like shoots up because I'm ready to start <laughs> drafting. So let's 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 do that. I'm I'm all I'm all aboard on that. So I think that'll be something that for the folks listening uh, here tonight, I think that might be something that we'll we'll definitely talk with both uh, Andrew and Dwight. I think that'll be something we'll start tweeting about and seeing what the general interest of putting together a listener league might be. So I think you heard it here first. If you listening to it tonight, tweet at any one of us. You can tweet at me at Chris Allen FFWX. You can tweet at Adam at DHH underscore Adam. Then also uh, Russ at Dynasty Outhouse and uh, start. Let's start having that discussion about how we can put together a league and uh, and build something like that. Because I think that'd be fun. What do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to to get into a Debbie league where I'm not with the Ryan McDowell's and the Scott Bro, yeah. of the world because <laughs> I don't, I don't have a shot. <laughs> I really don't have a shot, but I'll jump into, into my topic discussion for the next one. So it kind of ties in. We, we discussed the difference between Debbie picks and draft picks. So we need to talk about draft picks a little because you're starting to get into the point of the year where you can almost identify where the draft picks are going to be. And then you have your rebuilders, and you have your win now players who are either moving their picks or um, getting picks. So we're valuing draft picks 
before we know what they're actually worth. You're just kind of banking on what they're worth. So before I kind of give my take on it, I wanted to hear from the two of you on how you're valuing draft picks right now. Let's just say you're going into a trade and somebody's sending you a first. How do you know what to ask with that first? And we'll go with you first, Ross. All right, this is always tough because I will always say I don't play the guessing game for future firsts. But you're right, we're kind of at the point where you can sort of see who or what people are, teams are, I should say. Uh, right now, you kind of have to take it, it's either middle or very early or very late, and always skew towards middle. If we're talking two, three weeks ago, everything is middle. There's no such thing as an early or a late first when you're week three to five, six even. We're halfway, more than halfway through the fantasy season, which makes me sad. But we're at the point where a one in seven team, chances are they're going to have a top four pick. So you can call that early. A three, four win team, I mean, chances are they're not making the playoffs. You can gauge a team. Oh, and assuming you play on MFL, which most of us do, and if you don't, you should. Uh, how do you get there? Reports, standings, power rankings. Yep. Super important tool because a record and even points for isn't always the full picture. The power rankings show you potential points, all play record, everything that you need to know to really gauge how good a team is. Because a team can be great and a new owner can just be bad at running it. And then all of a sudden they find a new podcast to listen to, like the Debbie Owner's Manual, the Trade Addicts podcast. Yep. <laughs> um, and find, you know, some nice hints to who to start and all of that. And all of a sudden they start winning like they should have. But you would have seen that coming if you used the power rankings. So at this point, that's pretty much what I would do. Check the power rankings, see where they sort of stand. You know, again, 12 teams is the usual, so let's just go by 12. You could see if they're 8 out of 12. You can kind of call that late. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much your starting point because... That's what really matters, early, mid, late. Once you get there, it turns into you have to sort of know the draft class that's coming up. Like this year, you know it's wide receivers that are going to be in the beginning. You know that there's like a good five to six dudes that are make up that top tier already. Mm -hmm. So if you're outside of that six people, you're going to need to add a little more than you would have, if even if it was the 106. So it does take a little bit of research. It takes a little bit of work, but, you know, it wouldn't be fun if it didn't. <laughs> that's why we do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, though, yeah, that's all the stuff that would kind of come into it. So, yeah, it depends who you're trading away as to what you need on top of whatever that first is. But you're right. Now's the time where if you haven't decided what you're doing with your team, whether you're rebuilding or if you're making that push, check those power rankings and then use those power rankings to try and get other people's firsts or find out who to try and steal players from. Yeah, I would echo uh, what Russ was just saying in that the two things that I'd be looking for at this point uh, would be their power rank and then also, I guess, making that decision prior to as to what you're doing with your roster like for the rest of this season like are you are you at a spot where you think you can contend or do you really do you are you at sitting at two and five or maybe even three and four just kind of depending on like what you see coming down the pipeline uh but yeah making that decision as to how you're going to manage your roster for the rest of this season and going forward 
Uh, I think those are the two big decisions are, that you really have to make like prior to what you're going to ask for in return. And yeah, I've already started to look into uh, what the 2019 draft class is going to be. And I think Russ's assessment of the next draft class is pretty much spot on is that wide receivers are going to be where it's at. I don't see really much in terms of, in terms of running backs. Not too much has really popped on, at least popped out to me. Maybe a few guys here and there. Quarterbacks, not really, not really much of anything. So, I mean, if you're making any moves and you're going to be, and you think you're going to be deficient any, in any one of those areas, make sure that you're recouping value or at least have the replacement level talent in order to continue and continue moving along. So I think those would be the two, but yeah, looking at your roster, understanding what you're going to do with it for the rest of this year, and then also kind of where you're at in terms of uh, roster construction. And the, some of the things that we talked with uh, with Kevin O'Brien, however many weeks ago, in terms of where you're at in terms of accepting risk and trading away some of your current assets and taking on uh, taking on new risk with new assets, and then kind of moving on from there. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head with next year's draft class. So if that pick isn't going to be projected bottom six, then your offer should look dramatically different and you should have no problem explaining that to your trade partner. I always recommend transparency. I know there's different strategies out there. Some people just want to absolutely demolish people in a trade. Some people like myself just want to get fair trades done so they get easier in the future. And that's the right way to be. I I Mm -hmm. totally agree. Um, But you can go to these owners and tell them, hey, you're, you're not the worst team. I mean, you might not make the playoffs, but I really need one of those top six picks. I will still trade for your first, but it's going to have to look a little different and hopefully they understand. But I, I wrote down a little process here for how I'm valuing draft picks right now. So team records, obvious, look at the team record right now, but then also look at their division record. If you've established that this person is going to be in the playoffs, that doesn't mean you don't want their first. Uh, so look at their division record, see where you think they might be seated. But here's the big one. See what trades the teams are making because they might be in middle of the road now but if they're trying to trade for your Demarius Thomas, your AJ Green, your Marvin Jones, they're probably trending more towards winning or else they wouldn't be trading for those players. So while you're trading for a pick that currently projects for the 106, after you give them that player, think about what that player is going to do for their record. Think about if that was the piece that's going to get them those wins. If their previous three games, they lost by 10 points and you give them AJ Green, they're probably not going to keep trending in the losing direction. Um, so here's a little practical application for you that actually happened today. Russ in a league, he and I are in, <laughs> went full rebuild. So. Oh, yeah. So you go full rebuild. You'll see this in all your leagues. If you haven't yet, Russ is very savvy. So he's already determined that it's right now is the time for him to start getting the younger assets because people, there's more people right now that think they're contenders than there will be two weeks from now. So if you're listening to this and you think that you are trending in the direction of wanting to rebuild, do it now because there's six teams that think they're competing for the championship while next week there might be four teams that think they're competing for the championship. So you have more people to trade to. But anyways, Ross goes full rebuild and he's looking for trades. Well, 
I look for players to send them like you should with anybody that says that they're going full rebuild. I go to look for trades and I realize I have Russ's first. So <laughs> no, I'm not going to send Russ's first because of course any trade that I was looking to send him involved my first. I'm looking at guys like AJ Green. Uh, we discussed a little Stefan Diggs for a nice young package, but they're all going to involve the first. Well, Russ is rebuilding. His pick is probably going to be early. So that's something you want to consider as well. If he's rebuilding, I want to keep his first. And please, Russ, keep selling all your good players. Yeah, you must have been thrilled when I sold AJ Green. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I saw absolutely. the trade completion thing come th- come over email, and I was like, oh, man, he's got rid of AJ Green? Like, what is happening here? I, w- I, went I, I loved that team. Went- after the right. draft, I loved that team, and it you just, had a it, good team. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, Devonte Freeman happened. And yeah, a lot of just, injuries. Yeah. It didn't work out, and yeah. there's a lot of good owners in that league, and some really good teams. And I just I saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Uh, actually, I think that's uh, since we were just talking about uh, trades being completed. I think that segues into my topic for the evening, uh, and that's. The ever-changing landscape of trade value, like once you get into the season, how do you guys wind up reassessing trade value as players start to perform well? And some of them might struggle or some of them get injured and things of that nature. We already had plenty of talk I've seen on both the TL and I think we've had a couple of conversations, at least through DM and whatnot, uh, about players like Geis, uh, who we know is coming back, but got got injured during the during the preseason before we even got to actually see him in action. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, also with uh, you know better players like Jarek McKinnon uh, that wound up getting injured. But now we've seen some other players that have started to emerge and that actually started to play well, like Nick Chubb this past weekend. Then also some other players like Adam Thielen who have actually completely blown up and now have become wide receiver ones. So. When you go, when you're actually assessing dynasty value of these players at this, as they start to perform well, how do you guys, I guess, alter your, I guess, approach for making trades for those players? So if you might have been wanting to offer a, either a 19 second and X player, does that price now bump up to a first? Do you try and uh, change the tier of the player that you're going to offer along with the pick? I guess, what is your guys' approach once you start seeing players start to do well? All right. Well, that's a really awesome question. Uh, all right. So the first part is you get a little redrafty. I mean, since we're in the season, especially if you are not doing what I did and completely blowing up your team, you want to win. So you do kind of worry a little about complete and utter fantasy value as opposed to dynasty value, which are two very different things, which I think we talked about in the last episode I was on. So, hey, check that out. Mm-hmm. Nice plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So this is why we love having you on. <laughs> I, hey, man, I make your jobs easier. You do. All right. So that's the first thing I'll do is, again, assess your team, figure out where you are, what you want to do. Uh, and that's when you start putting a little more value to players that are producing a lot more now as opposed to, well, as Adam knows, I always want Cortland Sutton. But, <laughs> I mean, he has he's like the perfect player right now in Dynasty. Yep. Demarius, Ta- well, first of all, crazy talented, always was, uh, has starting to get a little bit of opportunity for you to see how good he really is. And now there's Demarius Thomas trade rumors, so he'll have fantasy value this year, assuming that actually happens. And that 
skyrockets his dynasty value because now we know for like we all speculated that dt was gone we pretty much know now so i've been bugging adam for sutton for weeks and now i know it's just not happening so (laughs) so that's the kind of game where if i wanted sutton putting all of those together i need to up whatever my uh, valuation was through the draft process at the beginning of the season and even two weeks ago that to him that is the perfect example for everything you were just talking about it's where my team is where adam's team is and what that player specifically is doing because of course everything's on a player by player team by team basis so i mean you throw some players throw some teams and i could be uh, i mean that's the best example i could think of right now so that's kind of how you have to think about it but also just it, it, being in the middle of a league is the worst place to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're not going to – like I have this argument with a couple of noobs that I play with that aren't used to the fact that you need to lose. Yep. Like – Legally. <laughs> do it legally. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's going to actually work into one of my other topics. <laughs> Foreshadowing. There you go. Uh, but you know, my friend Kristen, who's like two years into Dynasty, and she just now figured out – that her team is just not very good, which I've been trying to tell her for a year and a half, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and now as she goes on, she's like, oh, I can't believe I lost in this league again. I'm like, you want to lose. Because yep. mm-hmm. hey, you can't rebuild on 105s. You're not going to get as lucky as, you know, last year and pull, you know, whoever, you know, Christian McCaffrey or any of these guys at 105. It's not going to happen every year. Yep. You need 101s, 102s. You need to suck to put it flatly and i completely and if you traded de- your pick make sure you go get it back by the way yes just before you make sure you, and i have done that i've had this year i've had teams that i thought were going to do well and before i started selling all my players i went and got my one my first round pick back so please make sure you do that because you do need to lose but you need to lose because you want an earlier pick. Yes. If you do not have your first, do not lose. <laughs> right. Go get it back first. Rebuild, then, but just yeah, don't. Do yeah. Don't make other people happy from you losing. <laughs> right. Like Russ is going to do for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All for you, baby. So, but for, for ahead, why go I got into that in the first place, be willing to pay that built up value that we were just talking about with Cortland Sutton if it fits what you need. You're going to need – people are going to see what you're doing, and that's going to make it a little tougher. But you still need to get it done. So, oh, man, like I'm dealing with Matt Williamson, who has my number completely. Yep. I've dealt with him twice, and by the end, I did exactly what he wanted. It's, <laughs> and like he knew exactly what to say, exactly how to handle me, which, I mean, I've never met the dude, never talked to the dude. But right away, he's like, hey, maybe that means he listens to my podcast. That'd be completely flattering. But, yeah, it's like – you have to know who you are, what you're doing, and accept that other people might also. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid to spend. You have to spend to get, which is a very big mantra of mine in in trading in general because I have to yell it at people all the time who are too afraid to give anybody up. Right. And be be willing to overspend. The only time you're in a position to overspend, in my opinion, is when you're rebuilding because you should already be in a mindset where I don't care what anybody else thinks about this trade because everyone's going to say your trade looks bad if it doesn't have the shiniest player. So you do have to get yourself in kind of a weird mindset to rebuild. And I'm not saying go overpay immensely, but 
if it's one player keeping you from getting your guy, Isaiah Crowell even, and you know that the player like Cortland Sutton is not valued now as he will be next year, who cares? Who cares if you get that value right now? And that was a perfect player to bring up, Russ. Uh, Cortland Sutton was a great one to bring up because I you want to trade was him today? very down. No, <laughs> not at all. I was very down on Cortland Sutton in the pre-draft process. I thought that his routes were very sloppy. I, I thought that he made too many body catches, and he's just not that. And a lot of people didn't think he was that then. That's just what I saw. So I covered my bases, and I got him in this draft where we didn't do the rookie the rookie draft. The rookies were in the draft, so that helped me stomach picking him a little bit more too. But same thing, I took Rojo in a couple places. I really obviously wish I didn't do that, but just because other people that I know are smarter than me liked the player. And I did the same thing with Cortland Sutton. The, all of that is to get to this point. Don't be too bullish in adjusting your values. So Chris asked, how do you adjust your values in season? Well, the biggest thing is let, watch what's happening in the NFL now and adjust your values accordingly because I found out I was doing this all wrong by having a conversation with my buddy Chris Boboda at DHH. We were talking about rankings because I rank over at DHH. And I told him, Russ is still my quarterback one. Yeah, it looks bleak for him now, but I'm ranking off of talent. And his situation is definitely going to change coming up here soon. We'll see how dramatically it changes. And he's got a great rushing floor. And Chris goes, well, there's five other guys I'd rather have than him now, even if he didn't do, even if it hasn't looked so bleak recently. And I thought about it for a second. I'm thinking this is dynasty, so we're ranking players off of talent, right? But why do I need to project five years in the future when Russ's situation might get better when we've got Patrick Mahomes? You know what I mean? So in your question, I'm kind of calling myself out and saying that being bullish on rankings is going to do nothing but hurt your roster. Telling yourself that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are the best quarterbacks in the league in dynasty right now, is going to hurt your roster. So don't be afraid to uh, develop your opinions throughout the season as you see things unfolding ahead of you. It's almost getting a little too cute the way I was trying to rank by saying these players are uber talented. So who cares about their situation right now? It does matter. Yeah, yeah. And I think that at least for me, like when I'm uh, starting to field trades like while in season, I think part of the – at least one thing that should come into the equation, and as we've been discussing this entire this entire evening, is where you're currently at with your team. So if you are sitting at four, three, five, and two, and you think your team's going to make a push, then you're probably less likely to make a trade or trade away some of your uh, some of your assets or even your especially your primary assets uh, to the point where I mean you think you might have a shot at, at taking down the championship this year. And, but then if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Two five one six somewhere in there, uh, then yeah, you might you might want to make you make a deal or something like that if the if the price is favorable. But and this is not to call anybody out. The reason why I wanted to ask the question was because the trade offer that I was uh, I'd received earlier today, and it's in the league that we're uh, we're all in together, uh, was my Adam Thielen for James Washington in the nineteen first. Like at first at first glance. I mean, of course, right now we're seven weeks, you know, seven, eight weeks into the season, and I wouldn't want to give him up for for that price. Maybe if this had been, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks ago, I might have thought about it. 
But now with the pace that Thielen's on, I'm currently sitting at. I think I'm at. I'm thinking four and three. I think I'm four and three in the league or something mm-hmm. like that. So I'm, you know, in a fairly decent spot where I might have a shot. I have a decent shot at making the playoffs. So at least from that perspective, considering where I was currently at with my roster, I didn't want to trade away a primary asset. And then two, I mean, I didn't think that at least the starting offer was something that I would have wanted to accept. But if I'd maybe been in a different spot. Like again, if I'd been on the other end of the spectrum, sitting at two and five, and maybe wanting to blow some things up, sure, I might have been able to negotiate. But at least then, it would have been for something a, a separate, a different player, something like that, where I'm not trading away a primary asset right now. That's not just primary for dynasty, but also for redraft, and then getting, you know, getting a receiver in return that I don't see having any value right now. Nor do I see them having much value, at least for another year or so. So that I, there would have been some negotiations, but at least there would have been something there that might have been something there for us that, that we could have been able to discuss and maybe negotiate for something a bit a bit different. But so that's why I wanted to pose the question. It's just that, yeah, I know that we want to overweight, not necessarily overweight, but we might want to get aggressive in terms of how we value players in season because that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing Adam Thielen go for, you know, seven straight games of 100 receiving yards. That's what we're seeing. I mean, we're, we're seeing, uh, Rojo only having like, you know, six carries, you know, seven weeks into the season. And that's what we're seeing. So the, his value might be depressed. So while the recency bias might be a part of the equation in order to get us there to fact, you know, to come up with their, with their value, I do think that Understanding that, yeah, it is dynasty, and yeah, we're looking at the long term. It, it, I guess we, to me, it seems like we might, we sometimes lose sight of that. We, we do look at things more from a redraft perspective, once we're in the thick of it. I think once we get into weeks nine and ten, like where the playoff picture becomes clear, either we're in it or we're not, that's where we might be able to make the decisions a bit easier. But right now, like when things are still somewhat nebulous, I do think that there's a little bit more of a redraft mentality when it comes to making deals like this. I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying, the difference. And it also ties into what Adam was saying before, calling himself out, which I think everybody is guilty of not really realizing that there needs to be a difference between fantasy value and dynasty value. Because, yeah, Russell Wilson probably should be a top three quarterback for everyone's dynasty talent-wise rankings. But, I mean, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I could say this. They suck. I mean, it's sure. it's just the truth. And, like, I have Russell Wilson in a league, another league that I'm trying to... I don't know if I'm going full rebuild or not because I'd hang on to Russell Wilson if I could, but he's my best asset, so I kind of want to break him down into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. And with him not scoring at the elite level that his dynasty rankings put him at, it drops his fantasy value, which means that drops his trade value. Yep. Like there has to be, a, like you guys can't see my hands in the podcast, but like there has to be a nice happy medium between fantasy value and dynasty value to get the real value of mid-season trade value. And I just said the word value a lot. <laughs> it's, it's almost like you're anchoring these players. And I, like I said, have to check myself, especially as a ranker when I'm trying to help other people out because – I just want to hold on to him because I want to just say he's so good. He's so much better than these other quarterbacks. 
he just is in real NFL. But they're going to be a running offense as long as Pete Carroll's there. And they're going to have bad running backs, it seems like. But it's not going to matter. So what, what's going to happen? They're going to keep trying to get better running backs. I mean, they just showed that they're going to draft Rashad Penny and then not use him. So they're not even making it a priority to basically help your dynasty roster by making Russell Wilson better. So you're doing yourself a disservice by hanging on to these players. And then Chris, Adam Thielen was an amazing example of this because I guarantee there are thousands and thousands of people that are guilty of being bullish on Adam Thielen. He is just not a player that you want to have in your top eight wide receivers. Everyone loves him. I mean, he's an awesome dude, but it just seems so weird. It's just such a weird situation that, and I bet you people took a long time to come around on Antonio Brown too. I wasn't around for that, but Adam Thielen has to be in your top eight. He just has to be. There's mm-hmm. there's no way around it. There there right. isn't. But people, I guarantee, are being bullish on it. So the reason for this segment, the reason you pose this question, is to tell players that in season does matter because that's why we play dynasty. Where I think that Russell Wilson can probably be the best quarterback in dynasty in two years. Not helping me much right now. Maybe mm-hmm. I should flip them for one of these younger guys coming up. Yeah, and I think that's the whole point is that once we actually start to see these players perform on the field, whatever we thought about back in August, it it changes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to change as drastically as we think it does. I mean, unless they turn into this like just completely all-world talent, but we right. still do need to look at them with at least some view as to how we perceive their value back in back in August and maybe you know in early September because again, this is dynasty. This is not redraft for sure. In redraft, absolutely. I, like you can kick Russell Wilson to the curb because there are like three billion different quarterbacks mm-hmm. that are putting up points each week. Mm-hmm. Same thing for, and you know, but that's not really the case for Adam Thielen. That he is essentially the wide receiver one, or at least in the wide receiver one conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to come up with a price tag for for him in redraft. I have no idea what to do with him in dynasty at this point. <laughs> I mean, unless. People are just, you know, throwing these absolutely wild offers at you for, I don't know, like a couple of 19 first, a 21st. I don't know. But that's where we do have to anchor our value in, in our original perceptions of him going into the season. And if they perform well and if they pop, as Adam Thielen has over these last seven weeks, then that's a bonus. But again, we do have to look at their team situation, how they're, how they're, how they have been able to produce and what we can logically and reasonably project for them going forward. I mean, is Adam Thielen going to continue doing this for the rest of his career? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Isn't the dude like 28 already? Yeah, yeah I think so, or 27. But here's a little bit in the opposite direction then, Chris, is let's say a good thing to mention is that value accelerates in season because we have, what, four or five months of the season, right? But then we have all of that time in the off-season, and off-season value is made entirely on assumptions. So let's take a look at Derrick Henry. We assume- oh, I knew this guy was coming out, and I was ready to talk <laughs> about him if you didn't. Yeah. And so yep. we assumed yep. that this dude was just going to be a giant, and he was going to fit in with the Titans' offense, which they have had a productive offensive line, and that Deion Lewis got signed, but it's like, yeah, Deion Lewis is going to get hurt. Well, here's the thing. Deion Lewis didn't get hurt. Derrick Henry isn't being productive behind that offensive line. His value has tanked. So if you're holding on to him in your rankings, this is what this whole segment is about. 
Why? You have no allegiance to Derrick Henry. You have no reason to anchor yourself to Derrick Henry. Being bullish hurts your roster. And by the way, the AJ Green for the firsts that I did in the league we're all in together, Derrick Henry was practically a throw-in, and I wanted to cry about it. <laughs> yes, that does. I mean, it sucks, but this is there's got to be that happy medium. You can't be too too bullish. You're going to hurt your roster, and if you're not bullish enough, you might be selling yourself short. And side note, diversify. Don't have too many shares of one guy. <laughs> Derrick Henry was one of my most owned players. <laughs> I think the topic's on you, Russ. Yeah. We have a little time before I'm just going to rant my face off. So I'm going to ask another little bit of question that sort of ties in a little bit to what we were talking about before, evaluating your team and such. Draft pick order and mm-hmm. tanking. How do you guys find – okay, well, first of all, do you guys care about tanking? Now – if it's against the rules, that's fine. Let's go and say that there are no rules specified. Mm-hmm. It's a jerk move to put empty roster, empty spots. Let's pretend you have it set where you have to start active players. Mm-hmm. Is start like I have a league that I joined one of the Ryan McDowell's Catch Twenty Two leagues, and I took over literally one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> Thankfully. I end, well, thankfully or not, I had ended up with a 101, so I had Saquon, and I had Mahomes on my team, which I didn't think was going to be this good. But I want the 101 again. What do you guys think of me starting Eli Manning over Patrick Mahomes? That in an, in a vacuum, I don't think, I mean, if that's your goal and you want the 101 again and you're not breaking any rules because Eli is playing this weekend, then I'm fine with it. Sure. So that's the point there is follow the rules. Um, I had to kick somebody out of the league this last week because he had not logged in for 45 days and he was also just playing players in a bye. So where I think that you should take any competitive advantage that you can, please check the bylaws and follow the bylaws Mm -hmm. accordingly. So whatever the league specifies is fine. I don't think that there's any problem with tanking if it's legal however i do not think if you're a commissioner that you should have tanking legal because the whole point of the league is to have the best team win the league but if that team played the worst team that was playing players on by if that was legal or that was playing eli over mahomes then it's not you're not getting the best team and that's the whole point you want the best team to come out of this but if that pushed them to a different playoff spot or that somehow changed the playoff bracket i don't think that's very fun i mean that person gets a better draft pick sure but they were probably going to lose anyways right i mean you'd think so and i mean i know scott fish is now coming around with his like he is saying that he doesn't mind tanking again assuming there's no rule against it mm-hmm and I'm a little back and forth on it. I mean, I all of my leagues have anti-tanking laws. It's pretty – like the bottom line of all of my bylaws is don't be a dick. Like, mm-hmm. And that's pretty right. much like the one of the mottos of the Trade Addicts podcast. It's just like, why bother? Don't do mm-hmm. that. That's not cool. Um, but it's just, again, like you you want the best pick at a certain point. Like I – that. This team is awful. Again, literally one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Like when Ryan McDowell sent out a Google Doc with a bunch of tabs and of all the open teams, and I'm like, just because he just said, who wants in, I'll assign you a team. 
And, and I'm just like, don't give me that team. Don't give me that team. Don't give me that. <laughs> and it, it was like literally maybe 12 teams. And of course I got that team. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's nothing I can do but get 101s for a couple of years. But I walk into Patrick Mahomes and, uh, Baekwon. It makes, an, I'm not in last place. There's two right. teams below me because I start Patrick Mahomes and Baekwon because it's sort of the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So again, for the best, better of the league and for the better of the teams in the league come down to two different things. So again, if there's a rule that says no tanking, then absolutely start your best players. Mm-hmm. If there isn't a rule, there's still a limit. I say there should always have to be an active player in every spot. Mm-hmm. Yes. But to me, it's it's shady. And I mean, I never really know what the meaning of Bush League really is. I, I get the connotation <laughs> of it. I meant to Google what that actually, like the origin of all of that. I mean, it's like a Bush League move to start Eli Manning over Mahomes, even though it's something I would absolutely totally do if I was allowed to. <laughs> yes. Well, you yes. might be allowed to. I mean, that might not be illegal. And you could argue – you can't really argue. You're not going to argue matchup with Pat Mahomes, so that's not a good – No. Yeah, no, there's not, there's no excuse for it. Thing. Like, why are yeah, you doing um, this? It's because I want to lose. So, but for the I sake mean, of giving actual advice, you would just have to say – the best way to tank legally, assuming the st- most strict league rules possible, would be to trade your great players. Trade any not, good player away. You're not yep. going to trade Pat uh, Mahomes and you're not going to trade Saquon because those are the blue chip rebuild pieces. But let's say it's less dramatic. Maybe you've got Russell Wilson and maybe you've got... I was going to say Zeke. I mean, but perfect. that's probably... I mean, Zeke's a good rebuild piece too, but he's huge. You know, he's massive. You need You need to break that up. So that's another one. If you've got, if you just don't want to win games, break those guys up into pieces because you need to do that anyways, and then you don't have to win them. So that's one way you can do it legally. All right. So, and to sort of pivot from, you know, tanking versus not tanking, what are your guys' thoughts on standings orders? Not necessarily tiebreakers, but actual standing orders and draft pick order based on that also. Are you guys a fan of potential points, all-play record, victory points? Because I'm at the point where the randomness of head-to-head can get frustrating. You'll find out, I think Friday I'll finally have my episode edited and out, but I'll spoiler alert it in case you guys get it out faster anyway, yours out faster. I lost a, a game by point six Ooh. this week. God. I had the second highest score no. in, in the league. That is the worst. And I lost and the to an undefeated team. Like I'm like, I got this. I got this. I I was up by fifty two going into Monday night football and he had Eli and Baquan. Fifty two point wow. six they scored. Like what uh, the hell, man? Like I'm like throwing shit around, trying not to wake oh, my yeah. wife up. It's just Yeah. That is the worst. <laughs> so like that like I want victory points in every single league. Like yes. like again, I'm in twenty three ish leagues that have head to heads. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty much a given one week I'm gonna have a crappy loss <laughs> when I've scored a lot of points. Right. Mm-hmm. So like every once in a while you'll see me tweet victory points in every league from now on. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why. So I I want to know your guys' opinions on all of these little subsets. Because like you said, hey, I'm into Dynasty. I joined the Dynasty League. doesn't mean much anymore because there's so much stuff that goes into it. So what are your guys' thoughts on these little subsets of standings and how to use them? 
I'm a, I'm 100% in favor for victory points for just the reason that you uh, you indicated that when it comes to the head-to-head matchups when you have those just last minute like the Sunday night or Monday night games where you have these close matchups and it's just like why how did I lose by essentially like you lost within the margin of error for like a stat correction mm-hmm. like and that's what and that and that's bothersome so I think that victory points they help they help smooth some of those things out where over the course of an entire season you're rewarded at least for having a team that performs well for 13 weeks mm-hmm. you know versus having to worry about oh I lost by 0.6 oh I lost by 2 I lost by 3 over here well I guess my season's over now so yeah I'm I'm 100% for using victory points or some way to reward good teams for performing well over a long period of time because that's the whole purpose of like that's all for me that's the whole purpose of season long leagues whether it's dynasty or redraft format to me that's the whole purpose of those is because you're being rewarded for making the proper moves and actually managing your team properly so if you're if you're capable of showing that and like I think one of the while it might sound archaic, an easy way to look at it might be looking at points for power rankings, things of that nature, to show that you have the talent on your team, and you've also managed it to the point where you're putting together an optimal lineup every week. But because of you know somebody else, like each week they've been able to blow, you know their team blows up or whatever. Now you're sitting at three and four when you should really be at five and two. Something like that. So yeah, I'm all for victory points. Now that's something super useful to include too because people go into rebuild mode way too early all the time because they didn't check to see the strength of schedule basically that they've had thus far in the season. Um, A redraft that I was in, my team is just absolutely stacked and I had some injuries and I just played some tough teams. So I was 0-3. But before doing anything dramatic, I went and checked, well, okay, who have I played so far? But three of the best teams, and I barely lost. If I were playing anyone else those weeks, most of them I would have won. So I didn't have to do anything dramatic, and now I've turned it around, and I'm 4-3 and in that league. So that's something that's very important to look at. And then victory points and all-play points are great, and I think that speaks to the real spirit of the game. I mean, you're crazy if you don't think that I know how much money I could potentially win if I won every single league. But also, at the end of the day, it comes down to having fun. And you want the championship to go to the best team in the league. And it kind of sucks when you're in a league that doesn't have those victory points or all play because you might not get the best team. You had the team that had the best path to the championship, maybe. But those help guarantee that the best team is the champion, and that's how it should be. Well, obviously, I'm glad you guys agreed with everything I was thinking of because random randomness is part of the game, and it's part of the game that makes it fun, but it shouldn't be everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and without yeah. these little pieces, it takes too much of the game out of your hands. Good teams should be rewarded for being good. That's why every league should have a, at least one playoff spot for points for, as opposed to mm-hmm. just records. Yes. And just all of these... Okay, but no, all right. So what do you guys think about for draft rookie draft order picks using potential points instead of record? So that way, 
teams can't tank. And even if I did start Eli Manning over Mahomes, it doesn't really matter for me. So it doesn't make sense for me to do it. I hadn't thought about that. Ooh, I, I kind of like it, though. I, 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 I don't have it in any of my leagues, but it's been a discussion in a couple of the leagues I'm in. Hmm. And you know, I respect the hell out of you, too. So, you know, hearing your thoughts on it would be good. So the reason I like that is because it forces you to be the more active owner that we've been recommending people be throughout this segment, which is you've got to trade away your players or else you've got those potential points on your roster. And another way to do that, just to offer up some advice, is if you do break up Zeke, you break him up for some upside plays that you see are going to gain a lot of value. You break him up for Sutton, you break him up for something like that. Then you can buy back your Zeke next year. It doesn't have to be Zeke, of course. You've got the arsenal to buy back a piece. You're going to make money on those pieces, blah, blah, blah. That's what you have to do if you wanted to do that type of league, and I'm all for it. I will say that sounds a little more advanced, and it would take a lot of work in the background to essentially tank. Otherwise, you'll have a lot of people dropping those leagues because we talked about earlier, you never want to be in the middle. You could definitely get stuck in the middle for a long time if you mm-hmm. use potential points because there's no way to get to the bottom and as we've discussed mm-hmm. you have to get to the bottom get to the top so it just comes down to you'd have to break up your team and you'd have to make your team really bad but you could still do it i still like it and if i were playing with a bunch of people who were in a bunch of leagues that were really active like i feel like i am yeah i would love to put a little wrinkle like that into it and i'm sure people do oh it's absolutely a thing because everyone Everyone, a bunch of people in a couple of leagues of, you know, internet people. Cause like I'm trying, I'm starting to hate home leagues. I gotta be oh, honest. Like Twitter yes, has ruined me. Yes. Like there's, yeah. there's too many good people mm-hmm. at, too many good people that are good at fantasy football on Twitter. There's tons of good people also, but let's face it, Twitter's filled with just terrible people. <laughs> yes. but, but like there's way too many savvy owners who know what they're doing and know what they're talking about and, mm-hmm. Home leagues are just the worst. So, yeah, there's a lot of the leagues I have that are filled with people I met online who say, look, all of my leagues are run this way. So I like, and I think you should consider it. And side note, always let your commissioner know if you have ideas for changes. There should yeah. always be a thread on every message board, yes. changes for next year. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if they're not willing to listen to changes, they're not a good commissioner. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, like this is something that I know for a fact people do, and I can't remember what side he's on, but Nathan Powell is very adamant on one side of these. <laughs> but I listen to too many podcasts to remember Surprise. what it actually is. <laughs> <I'm the Nathan. laughs> uh, so it's, this is definitely a thing. This is definitely something that people use, and it's just, I'm, tr- you know, always trying to make my leagues better. Yeah, when I did, uh, I, ra- I ran a keeper league for about eight years, and it was never the same league year to year because there was always something new I wanted to add. There's always a way to make it better. Like the same league year to year, it's boring. So yeah, that was that was the point for that question to see what you guys felt about pretty much ways to make better teams count in fantasy football. Yeah, yeah I think that's I think that's definitely the best way to go about doing it because I do think that. I mean, because really, if all you're doing, so let's say, for instance, like like you were just saying, in your case where you're scoring all these points, you're either, let's say, at the very least, top three in points four in your league, and you're sitting at three and four, four and three, somewhere in there, somewhere in the middle, or maybe even towards the bottom just because of bad luck variance and whatever, I mean, 
why wouldn't you, like why would I not just want to go ahead and take my solid drafting skills and then just invest it in, in a ton of best ball leagues and just be done with it? Mm-hmm. Just so I don't have to go through the headache of setting a roster every week. I don't want to have to deal with the headache of looking at you know oh I just lost by point six points or two <laughs> points or whatever. I'm just gonna draft. That's all I'm gonna do because apparently I can draft well. But apparently everybody else everybody else knows how to do the in season stuff and they just have these great blow up weeks. So I, I just don't want to have to deal with it anymore. So there there has to be some sort of reward that comes from that comes from going through all of that, mm-hmm. like in, sure. in, in, in setting your lineup and doing all those things and having a team that performs well. But there has to be some sort of reward system for that. But that's the difference between a great drafter and a great owner, and is that you can trade throughout the season, and that's the competitive advantage in not playing just best balls because. Man, I've had some best ball rosters look really good, and they're terrible right now. <laughs> I mean, they're uh-huh. just terrible. For one, you could have had Lev Bell. Well, hey, in a regular league, I could have traded Lev Bell. So in best, yeah. in best ball, if your draft sucked, well, if your draft was good and then it turned out to suck, you're stuck. That money's down the yeah. toilet. Well, I don't know if you guys yeah. are in any best ball dynasty leagues. Awesome. Yeah. That, Actually, that, best ball leagues that have in season management mm-hmm. love it because a yep. again twenty three leagues I have forgotten to set lineups. I'll, I almost got kicked. I I me almost got kicked out of a league two weeks ago because I kept missing like last minute inactives and the guy's like, yeah. dude, it's in the bylaws twice. Right. You yeah. leave a guy and I'm like, I promise. Look, you know, like you don't know me, but you see me how much I talk about this crap online. I. Right. I'll do better, right. I promise. So yeah, I don't special. get me wrong, I love You're me a good best ball league. <laughs> All right, so trans transitioning off of that, uh so one thing that I wanted to talk about, so when we were talking about just uh normal activity like in your leagues or whatever. So I know look, we play in a league where there's a lot of not necessarily industry folks, but folks that we typically discuss foot fantasy football with on a daily basis with. Mm-hmm. They understand the game, they like being active. But looking at some of your casual leagues, your home leagues, things of that nature, if you're the only one in the league that you know of to be, I don't want to say, an, like I definitely I hate using the term expert. <laughs> I do not like using that term expert. I'll use it. But let's just let, let's just say that. But you're the expert. Do you find that there's just like zero action coming your way when it comes to doing trades? It, it's it's bugging the crap out of me because in like every one of my casual leagues, nobody wants to trade with me. <laughs> I'll take this it's one just, first. <laughs> it's just that like for some reason it's the assumption that if I'm offering them a trade, you know something. There's yeah, I know something they don't know. <laughs> oh I'm trying God. to pull one over on them. Mm-hmm. There's something like that, and I'm just like, no, it's that. I think this is a fair trade. Like I can show you, like, and we can walk through yep. it. But then I get the instant reject. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you guys deal with that? Yeah, let me start with Work League, and we'll go from there. So uh, Work League last year, I, I was in the Navy at this time. We had a squadron, the shop that you belong to, you're in a row. So it's kind of cool. You just go to the shop right next to you, and you go talk trade with somebody if you want to. Um, that was cool. What wasn't cool was I commissioned it just for a bunch of the dudes and a few females to have – a league that we could all talk about. We could just BS about it. It'd be fun. What I didn't do is look into how to run an ESPN league. So I just Mm -hmm. left all the standard settings. Problem with an ESPN league is that their settings are very dumb 
and you have to go in and tweak a lot of those settings. What I did not tweak is vetoing. The problem with Look, if you want to keep this short, we better change subjects. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll go on a tirade. The the problem with that was that every single trade that I had agreed upon that we got through, one person would walk their ass down the hallway and talk to every single person in the league petitioning to get my trade vetoed. League veto votes are collusion. Oh, I canceled it, yes. and it was collusion. Yeah. But they don't care. People that aren't in the industry that don't talk on Twitter all the time, they don't care about collusion. My buddy tried to trade his girlfriend, Carson Wentz, for Delaney Walker after he was hurt. They don't care about what? collusion. <laughs> <laughs> so I just had to pull the rule, the rule and tell everybody that they were dicks and move on. Like, yeah. I hate home leagues. Yeah. I, They're the worst. I'm trending that way. See, it's it, – I kind of get that and I kind of don't – well, back to Chris's original question. I kind of get it and I kind of don't in my home leagues. The thing with me is everyone knows that I like to talk about fantasy more than I care about winning at it. Mm-hmm. So I am always 100% honest and which will go against me when I'm still doing it in the Trade Addicts leagues. Like there's always – you know, like it's like you listen to a couple of podcasts and they're like, what you do is you send an offer for this guy – and then you act like you want this guy as a throw-in, but he's really the guy you want to get after. And I'm like, man, that's a good idea. Like, <laughs> but I'm just like, no, like I go in, like I won't give me Cortland Sutton already. <laughs> <laughs> and and like honestly, I, it hasn't screwed me over in the long run, and it has never made anyone not want to trade with me, and it leads to so many good trade talks. Like, Adam and I, we know how we feel about almost every single player. Mm-hmm. So we know when we can get a deal done and when we can get it done easily or when it's going to be nice, fun, and long. Yeah. But so, like, I mean, yeah, I have one or two guys that are just like, why would you offer this to me? Because I wanted to trade. Why else would I offer it to you? <laughs> right. Well, what what do you know? You're on Twitter all the time. Join Twitter. I don't, right. I, it's, it's I don't free. have the patent this on it. This is free information. Yeah. And no, I have no information. I'm not trying to screw you over. You are literally my best friend. Why do I want to deal with you complaining to me every 20 seconds? Yeah. Because I just screwed you over in a trade. It's not something I'm looking for. So, like, yeah, I mean, there's kind of ways around it, but it's inevitable that when people think you're an expert, quote fingers, you're going to get that hesitation every single trade offer. I guess it's a little inevitable, especially in your home leagues. But there's ways around it, and it's, it's always being the honest guy, which I feel like we all sort of are. At least I say we all, meaning YouTube. I don't know about all your listeners. I mean, I'm sure you got some jerks in there. Oh, there has to be at least one. <laughs> Do you guys yeah. ever find yourself not rooting against yourself, but in those home leagues when you get a trade done, do you really just ever think, man, I hope this trade doesn't blow up? I mean, I traded my buddy Amari Cooper and Tevin Coleman for Devontae Adams, and God, that trade has looked so brutal for him, but I swear to God I was not trying to murder him in that trade. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I, yeah. Man, I got Alvin Kamara last year before the blow-up. Right. I traded Doug Baldwin and Tyler Croft because she needed a tight end and he was the, the actual tight end in Cincy for a few minutes for Alvin Kamara and Devin Funches. I thought this was right after Greg Olson's. Time, right? 
this was Greg Olson after Greg Olson's injury. I thought I was getting a good deal on Devin Funchess and a strong RB two. Yeah. To this day, yeah. she, she she's the assistant director at the daycare my kids go to, so I see her literally oh, every no. day. <laughs> and every day, hey, how's Kamara? No, I'm sorry. Oh my god, no. I'm so sorry. Especially in home leagues and dynasty, we understand that. It's the home leagues though, where it's just like every time you see your friend, they're just like, "Hey, how do, how's Devonte Adams doing for you?" Well, yeah. you know, he's yeah. the wide receiver too. Thank you very much. I hope Amari Cooper does something for you in Dallas. It's like it hurts. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it really does. I just got a I got a deal done last week where I sent uh, I sent Andy Dalton and Tyler Lockett, and I got Keenan Allen. This is in a redraft. <laughs> oh man! And I was and I felt really bad like afterwards, and then like of course the Dalton craters because he had Deshaun Watson, and they weren't sure if he was going to play. play. And it was just like, oh, okay, well you need a quarterback. I'm trying to buy Keenan. Tyler Lockett's been doing okay. I don't know about his target share going forward because of Baldwin, but it was like, so I felt that, I felt that it was fair. And it was, and so then when he craters and then it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad. Especially I since do. he's probably a box score junkie who just has seen Keenan Allen and doesn't know what Keenan Allen did in the last six games last year where he won everybody championships, which I think he'll probably do again this year. So he's yeah, got to score. It's going to look bad. Yeah. Yeah, the second the second he gets into the end zone, it's it's over after that, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the floor. That's why I was just like, in, I'll take the floor and then just hope that the touchdowns wind up hitting. Oh, they're gonna come. They're gonna come. They better. Yeah, I own way too much of them. I think they'll. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> same. But yeah, like whenever I do get a deal got a deal done in a lot of leagues, it's almost like I I want those players to continue doing well because. I like my approach is I don't try and I don't do low ball offers. Yes, yeah, same. Like I I used to <laughs> I, I used to like three like, like three years ago I would be that guy that the second that like a, a somebody's player would go down I would send like like in this situation so say this was like three years ago and like the Marshawn Lynch injury like were to happen I, I would send like I don't know Edo Smith for like their wide receiver team <laughs> or something like that. I, I would be that guy. All right. Yeah, okay. That's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but, but now I, I do try and send as fair of offers as, as possible because I, I don't want that stigma. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, you know, and, and you, cause you want to be able to continue making deals with these right. folks like well into the past this one deal. And then it, especially in dynasty, if you're going to be playing that league for years on end, you don't want to be known as the guy that just, the sense that you know the shitty trades and it just kind of wastes time too but varying values is fine though um but i just don't get the low ball trade because you're going to get if you're with savvy people if you want to take advantage of people that don't know what they're doing then that's definitely your prerogative but that's a different story i'm more so talking about being in a league with people that know what they're doing I'm not going to go in with my best offer because you kind of got to know if you want to get a player that you're going to add a little bit no savvy owner is just going to take the first offer unless it was a slam dunk. If it's a slam accept, I've killed myself before by not taking slam dunk offers and trying to get that extra added on because it's ingrained in your head that you're supposed to get a little added on and then you lose the trade. So if it's a slam dunk, take it. But other than that, you should be trying to get a little bit of extra on there and you should also be willing to give a little bit of extra on there. I'm not on the front where I'm going to give you a horrible offer just to be like, hey, I'm interested in that player. Um, I find it far easier to just say, hey, I'm interested in that player. 
what kind of position are you looking to improve that and then go from there. It kind of takes the place of the low ball offer, but it's far more respectable in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, because now clearly we don't have time for my 45-minute rant that I planned on. Dude, it, it, <laughs> it just pretty much goes along with everything that you're saying, that you said before. You're going to be dealing, assuming dynasty leagues, you're going to be dealing with these people a lot for hopefully a long time because the point of a dynasty league is to last for a long time. Yep. There's etiquette to trade. And again, don't be a dick is really what it boils down to. You know, you're, you're going to want to give these people a reason to want to deal with you again. You don't try and destroy people in trades. Be willing to A, make the first offer because it's infuriating as hell when someone's just like, no, you know, what do you want for this guy? Well, I want an offer. Well, I know, but just why don't you give me a hint at what I should start at? I want you to start with an mm-hmm. offer. Like, and it's funny because this is all stuff that I went through today. Like, I didn't even need to plan yesterday. This is stuff I went nuts today. I, I had two rebuilds, so I literally sent offers to every single team in both of these leagues. Yep. So I had a wide range of responses. So, like, just maybe you don't. I did my best figuring out where teams are. I know you said, you know, contact people, and that's the smart thing to do. But I was at work. I probably shouldn't have been doing this anyway. So I didn't really have the, I didn't have the time to actually talk to everyone. So I did my best at analyzing where I thought they were and what their direction their team should be going. So some people I offered AJ Green. Some people I offered Nelson Aguilar, you know, a younger guy that still has his upside kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, look, reply, comment. Don't just reject, especially when you, if you, are completely on the opposite side. If I sent you Nelson Aguilar and you really wanted AJ Green, let me know that. I'll send you an offer with AJ Green. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm willing to trade. So let me know that. Don't just reject or just don't be like, why would I do that? Yeah. Unless it's awful. I- I've done that before when right. you know, it's a complete offer. Like, tell me why. But if it's mm-hmm. just in the wrong direction, but a fair value, because value isn't everything. We've talked about that before. It should it makes sense as well. If it doesn't make sense, but the offer seems valid, value-wise, let the person know. All of these things go together in making a good trade partner, in making a happy league. Because especially if it's a league that is active and you know with people that know what they're doing, staying on people's good sides and working well with people makes a league so much better and it makes people want to be active in that league. So that raises some questions for me though, because I used to get walked all over all the time for that reason, because I want to build a trading relationship. So I want the, the trade conversation to go as positively as possible, Mm -hmm. uh, which kind of seems like the mantra you were getting at. But then I was getting walked all over a lot, man, because Pretty much no matter what, I never wanted to tell somebody that it was a bad offer. And if you don't tell someone that it's a bad offer, then they're probably going to assume you're dumb if they don't have the best intentions in mind anyways. Because you would like to think that everybody thinks like the three of us, but they don't. A lot of people have been learning that they need to win a trade, which is why all of these stupid trade polls say who won. Mm -hmm. Really, really, If one of you won, then really neither of you won because – 
you're not going to want to trade in the future. If you won, that dude's not trading you anything in the future, and you might really want to deal on a player in the future that you're not going to get. So it's there's actually, there's that fine line. I agree with 99% of what you said, but sometimes when those horrible offers come in that are actually insulting, I've never really been the one that's going to tell somebody that their offer is absolutely terrible. But the question you mentioned is definitely one that I do like to pose sometimes, which is, why would you why? do that if you were me? <laughs> if you had my yeah. team, why would you do that? And when they can't answer, it just kind of says, okay, I don't want to trade with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also, like, there's ways to telling people that their trade is awful without actually saying, hey, man, you suck. Mm-hmm. Like, my default is, like, I'd rather have my guy than all of your side. You know, like, just without being – no negative words whatsoever. Nothing that – because you know, tone is impossible over type. Right. So you stick to the fact mm. that, you know, I even use like greater than, less than signs, like this guy greater than that guy, this, and it just go down the list of my side versus his, mm-hmm. where, you know, you've mm. definitely gotten those trade offers where every guy on your side is better than every guy on their side. So like you can spell it out without being insulting. Cause chances are, if that is the case, they're doing it on purpose. There's, you could have different values on people. I had a really good trade talk for the past two days that involved David, jo- like David Johnson, Will Fuller, Tevin Coleman, all of these people. And me and this guy disagreed on almost every single player value. And it was actually an awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. No, at no point did we say bad things about each other. We just like, mm-hmm. you know, I said, why don't you just, you know, put Fuller in here? And he's like, Wait a minute, man. Fuller to me is not just a put in there guy. Right. I value Fuller at like a mid first. And I'm like, good for you. That's insane. <laughs> like, this is what I, I like. Will Fuller to me is like the four, cause this is a 14 team league. I'm like, you could call that guy a, the last of the first. I won't even say late first to me. <laughs> With like, his 5% uh, touchdown rate. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, there's a way that you can A, still be, you know, I will always do my best to not be serious about this. You know, so like, I'll always call a guy insane, but never actually mean it. So if I ever call any of you guys bad things, just know off the top I'm not serious about it. <laughs> but we still love you. <laughs> except for you, Chris. You're crazy. Um, <laughs> but no, like you could always have the conversation about value because there's a chance that it is actually just two guys thinking of differently of two players. Except if it's just that awful, in which case, just no thanks. <laughs> right. Alright, well I think we are coming up on an hour and 20 minutes, and I think the last time that we had you on, like, we wound up actually running over. And I got there, sad so that we stopped that, then, too, and I'm yep. still kind of sad about it. I know, <laughs> and, we're, and we're sad that we're stopping again, and even if we even if we did run over. But, uh, Russ, we do appreciate you coming out with us tonight. Anytime. And uh, I know that and Adam was the one that said this might run a little short, and now look at us. We, we run over. You underestimate again, me. So. <laughs> I know. Now give me I said, guys, I need you to come up with three topics, even though we're going to talk about two, because I'm pretty sure it's going to run too short. (laughs) Yep. And look at that. Hey, we did not get 90, almost 90 minutes later. Here we are. Uh, So, I mean, Adam, do we have anything for the folks before we get out this evening? What I did want to bring up is the fact that Des Bryant still does not have a team. So all of you that give me my shirt already for the t-shirt, <laughs> I just want you to know that none of you are correct yet. <laughs> Except some people did say no team in it's which like I did rule. 
I ruled that it would have to be the full season of him not being on a team for those people to be the winners. So that's what we've got going on along with all of the normal stuff. We've got uh, – you can follow us at Devi – sorry. <laughs> you can follow us at Dynasty Manual on Twitter. You can follow me at DHH underscore Adam. Find us on YouTube. Now you will find Devi Owner's Manual and Dynasty Owner's Manual under – our YouTube channel, which is Dynasty Pregame. You'll find both of those there, and you'll also find both of those podcasts under our podcast on iTunes. So definitely go check out Devi Owner's Manual. That is going to be a, a great show. I've enjoyed hosting the last two weeks. Can't wait to see that take off. Yep, most definitely. And Russ, we thank you again for coming out tonight. And uh, if people wanted to come t- trade with you or join leagues with you so they can get into any of the crazy actions you're a part of, how can they come find you? All right, well, I'm on Twitter, at Dynasty Outhouse. Uh, well, clearly not starting any leagues right now because we're halfway through the season, but I know there's going to be at least one or two new Trade Addicts leagues next year. Catch my podcast, the Trade Addicts Podcast, uh, weekly. The day it comes out depends on how much time I actually have to edit. Or like you guys, uh, man, my episode was like an hour and 40 minutes this week. And I refuse to edit for content. I'll just, usually I'll save a good five minutes by cutting out ums. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so check Trade Addicts Podcast. Follow the account on Twitter at Trade Addicts Pod. My awesome, awesome co-host, Brian Har at Brian Har FF, who you guys should have on your show. And you guys have to come on my show. Because yes. I won't cut you yes. guys off. Yes. So, yes. We'll be, we'll be talking we with like three to. hours. And I will, re- oh, that's three weeks worth of content and I can get lazy for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's really about it. That's, that's what I do. I'm on Twitter way too much. I trade way too much. At me about anything you want to talk about, you know, fantasy football is more likely to get a good conversation because I don't know much about cars, but you know, Always be willing to at me about trades, anything. Never think you're bothering me about it. You aren't. I love this crap and will always read every... Send me your bylaws if that's what you think you need me to do to give you a good opinion. I'll do it. My pinned tweet, I care about your fantasy football team, and it's the truth. I wholeheartedly believe that. And so with that, folks... uh Go talk with Russ if you need if you need help. Uh, go talk with Adam if you want to give him good recommendations on beer to drink because he still doesn't know uh, what a good beer <laughs> looks like or tastes like. I'm 100 percent sure. I do that. it. And if you, oh, dude, stop this! Stop it! Stop it! I'm editing that out. Uh, so, and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. You can find all of my work over at Four for Four. I'm in charge of the lovely QB streaming article that you can find each week over on the wonderful website which has been a blast for me to put together each week but uh yeah with as many quarterbacks that are not available (laughs) this week has been kind of rough but uh it's still fun to do but yeah thank you everybody for coming out hope you guys enjoy the show now that we're back and uh we'll catch you guys next week for the fantasy championship Dynasty. hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the Dynasty. owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic